0: And my passion is, is to rid this great nation of America of soccer. Taking aim at America's recent soccer craze, I'm to- never going America's- to rest. Favorite Never going to tire of trying to show the rest soccer. of my fellow now, citizens that this is a waste of our time, of energy, Everyone and resources. up and down the field, and every once in, so in. In. in a while ball accidentally goes in. should also suggest the popularity of soccer here in the U.S. is due, insane. in part, to the influx of immigrants, saying, quote, I promise you, no American whose great-grandfather was born here is watching soccer. <laughs> 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 showing us now, like this? Immigration They are unnecessary violence. It's There is no soccer being played in this country. So I can drive past a local park on a weekend morning and not see a single person playing soccer. I have a dream. I will not rest, I got up, and so I, got I see trouble, nothing some heart but baseball, DNA, football, I just win again, they win again like Wimbledon. I serve, yet yeah, that's him again. The sound the engine, then it's like a bird. You see fireworks and Corvette tire skirt, the bull of fall. I know how you work. I know just who you are. use a user, bitch. You almost probably switches inside your. It's Let's Fix Football. It's your host Gabe
1: Lesra, and I am joined uh, in this World Cup preview week.
2: And I say preview because everyone's doing them, but we are doing one too. I have Evan here. Evan, what's going on, buddy? I'm great, and I don't fucking care that everyone else is doing a World Cup preview, because I'm I'm finally excited about the World Cup. It took months of pain and ignoring that it was happening to get there, I'm excited, and so we're going to talk about it, and if you don't like that, then just fuck off. Yeah,
1: I, for one, am looking much forward to our U.S. Patriots uh, finally beating the Russians in Russia. Uh, So... We also have a couple other things. Obviously, there's some news on, you know, that that is kind of broken today. We'll discuss that. Um, uh, and it's news that I think Evan and I can both be kind of psyched about. Um, but I think the most important stuff we should start with is um, uh, I just wanted to before we even got into anything, I wanted to, to shout out my man. uh Ujwal, and it's I can't I'm not going to do the whole Twitter uh, name but it's at Ujwal something and I just want to shout him out because he is as far as I can tell Evan the first person to tweet at Ballon d'Order uh, with the under the mistaken understanding that um <laughs> that we are the people that give out the Ballon d'Or so shout <laughs> out congratulations
2: so, so first off we should be yeah, we should be. Absolutely should be. Second off, this is a great growth plan for Ballon d'Order. Because yeah. let me tell you, Seth Bladder, we know, does not know what he's doing with Twitter. No. He is a gym of gyms on the internet. And we know this from when he went at Infantino and tweeted his millions of followers to fucking to berate inf- this company. The high-end, overpriced infant toy company in Northern California or somewhere in California and so it's entirely possible that if we can get Sepp Blatter excited enough about the Ballon d'Or, he'll tweet at Ballon d'Order and poof, clicks. The huge, huge for us as as an organization. But
1: anyways, thank you, Ujwal, um, who said, um, of course, he said uh, he's a Messi fan, uh, Barcelona Messi fan. I, I mean... As a, uh, someone who occasionally discusses soccer on the Internet, I have run into people who, whenever I say anything, just bring up, tell me how good Messi was in that particular thing, in that particular area, or doing whatever the hell I'm talking about. And it's, it's, it's inevitably, it's always people who don't follow me. So what my question is, like, and Keon has this happen to him constantly, my question is, how do you people find us? Like, are you name searching Messi? That's to, exactly what they're doing. Like, and then just fighting with people. Like, I we're not even talking. I was like, my I made a like a kind of jokey thing. We'll talk a little bit about this more. But like, I made a jokey thing about Mo Salah, like saying that my kind of uh, unpopular take was that he should win the Ballon d'Or this season, unless like Argentina or or Portugal win the World Cup, and like. I've, I I got people fighting with me in my mentions by just being like messy, messy, messy. And I'm like, I didn't, I don't even know you. Like, who are you? You don't even follow me. Like I clicked on your things. Like you don't follow me. Who, who on earth do you follow that?
2: I think it's a combination of two things. One is first, step one is they're text searching messy. I think that's very clear. Step two is why you of everyone talk about Messi pops up in the search bar. And I, I imagine it's just some kind of Twitter algorithm that has to do with like, oh, you're involved with lots of soccer people and you have yeah. enough followers. And then poof, it throws your tweet up there. And then they are already mad online because that's what Twi- this is what Twitter is.
1: That's right. Twitter is literally just a group of people, you know, communally and, and as an aggregate group you know, grouping of people that are mad online. That's literally the entire point of the software. So fair play, I guess, to this guy. Uh, But yeah, that was, that was fun. Um, Also, we, you know, wanted to shout out um, the awesome uh, non-soccer publications and journalists who have taken the last week or so to write uh, about the following soccer-related subjects. Uh, World Cup fashion, Thank you uh, to Vogue for the article on the World Cup fashion and the 10 best-dressed players of the World Cup. Uh, Is Soccer Cool was the title of an article by Racked. I'm pretty sure Racked is just like a corporate culture magazine. Like, it literally is just about, like, how do brands monetize things. So... Hmm. I don't actually know. I decided not to do any research on this aspect of the show. Um and I, I I did read the last paragraph of the racked article. And the last sentence is something like, um, what we do know is that where there's cool, there uh uh if you follow cool, you'll find money. And I was yeah. just like, nice. it's cool. Yeah. That's a nor- that's like a regular it's kind of a cool thing to uh talk about. And finally, um an article about, called why Millennials Will Transform the World Cup by the Financial Times. I also didn't read this because it's behind the paywall for me. Um, so Financial Times, like, send us a free subscription and we'll read your article. But I can only imagine it's because of new media, because that's the only reason that anyone writes articles about millennials anymore.
2: I mean, it's it's just worth mentioning that, you know, the the the, the quadrennial... Uh, the quadrennial tradition for the United States is not the same as everyone else's quadrennial tra- tradition of just getting excited for soccer. It's a tradition of putting together terrible media content about soccer <laughs> right. around the World Cup. In fact, I mean, a lot of the bad media content from previous, you know, uh, World Cup cycles was really it was in a lot of ways the inception for the show, right? And for the name for the show. We really, really enjoy it, and right. we might have to revisit some of these terrible articles We, we at some will.
1: Point. I, I would like to uh, say, if you're a listener and you see any articles like this, uh, if you see any, um, I want to say, articles written by annoying people about how, why they don't like soccer, we would love to read those also. That's really fun. If you have any American personality political media whatever talk writing an article about how they could improve soccer i mean obviously that is literally the title of the show it's the intro to this show so you know if you see a segment on tv about it literally any of this just just let us know because we are obsessed with
2: this i feel like there's two big genres in this. There's one that's trying to explain soccer. And so is soccer cool falls in this genre. It's trying to explain it as a phenomenon, as a sport. ESPN had a terrible article recently that was explaining like how underdogs can win and how it has to be defensive and so there's like really pedantic basic, you know, here's the game and then there's explain the social aspect or explaining why do people care and then yeah. there's the how to fix soccer genre and that's that that is they, they shoot right past the explaining part just to assume it's bad right and needs to be better
1: yes so we're, we I'm obsessed with both Um, I think there's been some content this cycle finally I, I mean and I'm glad to see our friend Kim McCauley wrote one uh, like a glossary jokey glossary like how to ex- galactic brain guide to talking about soccer it was very good um, making fun of all these Articles about how to understand soccer. Oh, also, um, I'm really glad to see that people have dredged up um, uh, 2014, I think, or maybe even 2012. Very unpleasant list of a uh, joke list of things my girlfriend can't do while watching the world, while I'm watching the World Cup. And it's just like, Uh, don't ask me, uh, who that guy is or what's going on. It's like awful. So I'm glad to see people are recycling bad jokes from, uh, four years ago to reuse or steal entirely, which is also good.
2: See, it's hard for vice to keep making new content. (laughs) It's
1: gotta be like BroBible.com says (laughs) (laughs) all women are stupid and don't understand soccer. Am I right guys? Um, yeah, so really cool. Uh I haven't though Evan seen a single How to Fix Soccer, but I think that might oh, yes. be after the World Cup starts. Yes. It-
2: yeah, yeah, that's after it starts. That's that that is when like it's like you've seen your local watch party, and what's everyone into? Stupid boring shit. <laughs> so let's see if we can make them into non-stupid
1: shit. And it's like this we turn the ball into a football, give everyone pads, and we're just watching the NFL you, at this point. You
2: know why I think the fix soccer. Parts come about is because this so so European or, or, you know, overseas listeners might not know how much of a sports doldrums July is it's like June and July, are like the unique sports doldrums in America, the NBA playoffs just finished up. NFL football is nowhere to be seen you've just got baseball and it's mid-season baseball which is not particularly exciting baseball nothing important is happening in baseball right now and so
1: the players are all getting injured because they're fine like they've played 60 games which is like a lot but also it's really the first third of the season so
2: right and so like all the people who who would otherwise be content watching other sports just ignoring that club soccer is happening are just there's nothing left to do but see that the World Cup is happening and they've realize that they don't understand what's going on and it makes them angry right it makes them very angry that they're very angry they don't one of the things that uh, we try
1: to explain why our country does a lot of things like why why is like x thing illegal well if it goes back to that kind of fundamental premise is that we people a lot of people in our country don't like it when other people enjoy themselves and (laughs) (laughs) like why so why do we see so many articles like this well these people see people enjoying themselves. They can't just not involve themselves, like leave these people alone. They have to butt in and to explain to these people why, uh, or and to everyone why, whatever they're enjoying uh, needs to be changed to make them enjoy it.
0: So, right.
2: Right, so they you know that that's what they see. One all sides call, they get confounded and a little bamboozled. And next thing you know, you're writing a 500 word column, uh, you know, castigating all these hipsters who like this thing that you just you <laughs> refuse to understand.
1: <laughs> because at this point, you have to. It's it's an incredibly easy game to understand. Uh, we've, and told, we've
2: said it before. There's like five rules. <laughs> come on, guys. Like
1: come on, it's not like. And then, um, I also saw a funny other, um uh, per, like uh, another person complained that like, Oh, well, I mean, you hear this complaint all the time, right? That, Oh, it doesn't have enough scoring. Well, if you actually think about like the NFL, I mean, there's not that much scoring in the NFL. It's more like there's, there's about the, just, we, we value points more in the, so it's like everything, every touchdown is six points. They're like, well, it's like NFL games and 48 to 21. It's like, yeah, but like we're, We caught one touchdown, six points, and like three, you know, you get three points for kicking it through the upright. That's a lot of things. If you just valued those at one and one and a half, or like one or half and one, or whatever, then it'd be kind of (laughs) different. Like,
2: yeah. Yeah. um, I mean, look, it is an objectively lower score game, but like, it, it It is. So it's okay for the world to have a lower scoring game. That's also fine. That's just fundamentally okay. And it's also cool if you don't like it. Yeah. Just like let it be a lowering game. Right. Don't get, don't involve yourself to
1: try to convince other people to not like something they like just because you don't like it. And it's also, you can have things you don't like and not write think pieces about it. That's but fine
2: whoa, whoa whoa that is not well that is not why we invented the internet <laughs>
1: that's true that's not why the uh, why I um, advised Al Gore to make the internet so uh, we also have a number of uh, uh, people who are having extremely regular ones um, as usual Alexi lawless having a regular one um, over the last couple or last like few days or so engaging in a protracted fight with um, a number of people. I mean, it's just classic Alexi content generation, like, interaction with his fans. I mean, uh, so he makes a a quote about how uh, you know, he quotes the new U.S. Men's National Team Gen- general manager, Ernie Stewart, saying, I think it's uh, the U.S. Men's National Team failure to qualify is a fa- failure of a cycle. It obviously hurts, but I don't think it has anything to do with systems. Ernie Stewart, ladies and gentlemen. So, I mean, obviously, right away, everyone who thinks, as I think correctly, we do, Evan, that this actually, in fact, does have a lot to do with the system, the entire structure of U.S. soccer, um, didn't like
0: that.
2: No, and they shouldn't. And, and like, I'm almost tired of, of having to— I, like I, I thought, we litigated this in October. Then I thought we litigated it with the uh, enough with the, the the U.S. soccer presidential election. But here we are on the cost of the World Cup, doing it again. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who want to look around the burning building and say it's fine. Um, and a lot of people who you know don't don't want to do that want to say maybe maybe we should like try to put out a fire
1: or the people like us that just say just walk outside of the building and watch it burn like,
2: let that bitch go <laughs> uh,
1: and so yeah he he engages in a protracted fight um, someone says hey did you uh, actually agree with that and he says yeah I've said it before the system isn't perfect and we certainly need change but it's not why we failed to qualify and doesn't need to be torn down wrong. Uh, The players and coaches failed, and we are looking for something bigger to blame because our insecurity demands something bigger.
2: Wrong. Who who put those players on the field? Like, how did those players get there? Why weren't there more why wasn't there more competition for those players to push them to be better or push them for their spots or supplant them? How the fuck was our best, you know, central defensive midfielder, Jeff Cameron, not on the pitch? Why the fuck were we just playing without a midfield? Like all these questions, it's like you can't just chalk it up to say, well, everything was going great, but sometimes you get unlucky. Like yes, it was a cycle problem, but the cycle problem started with a system problem that couldn't right. get the right coach in place, couldn't get the right players in place, had no you know, missed an entire generation of talent, so that there were no younger players pushing the bot you know pushing the Michael Bradleys and the Josie Outdoors of the world for their spots.
1: He then said, um, the current system. Uh, is also what gave us a unique American soccer culture that in 30 years has grown and expanded faster relative to any other country in history, and it was done in a country where soccer isn't and has never been king. I just want to say one other thing, that this is objectively wrong, because he said, in history. I think it's also wrong if you just say over that period, but uh, if you just say any culture over 30 years, I mean... Let's say soccer was generously kind of uh uh standardized in nineteen what nineteen twenty? Yeah. Uh and I think you can say pretty convincingly that every single single country uh in Europe that like began uh, federation association football then and Brazil, Uruguay, like everywhere in South America that did it, also expanded faster. Uh than this period in American soccer.
2: I just got to say, I I don't. Yeah, that's obviously true. And I think let's be charitable and just limit. I I think the most charitable thing is just limiting it to the last, over that same 30 years, did anybody grow at the same rate, and like you can have an argument that the U.S. has had the most growth or is up there with some other countries. The the question is how much of that can be attributed to U.S. soccer, and the answer is some of it. So the fact that they had the 1994 World Cup and that went off pretty well, the fact they were able to, after a couple false starts, build MLS into something looking like a competitive sports league was helpful. Like, but but you know, arguably things like immigration to the United States by people who really like soccer, right, and the growth of European club soccer in the United States in part because of the immigration in part, just because it kind of called on with a certain subset of, you know, yuppie ish uh, sports fans. Like these things also had a huge impact. So that's, you know, Real Madrid being popular with Latin American immigrants in the United States has nothing to do with the U S soccer system. Zero. And like, let's be, let's be clear. I mean, you can also say that, the
1: um, United States winning the World Cup bid in what ninety four should have been a big turning point for U.S. soccer. It wasn't though. Like you didn't have the explosion. It wasn't until the 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 early mid aughts really that that there was the real explosion in in soccer culture in this country. Like yeah, I I just I mean what really is pathetic to me is that there was there were options throughout history to create an America, this, everything that you just like, that he, he talks about. Uh, and it was at a times where there was a hell of a lot less to do than, the, than there is now. Like it, when Pelé came to play in, in, in whatever the MLS was called back then, like there were only like five channels for a long time. So like it, it shouldn't have been that hard to get a group like a, a group of teams to <laughs> create a sports league that would be televised, especially during this period in the summer, you know, like it's, it's ridiculous.
2: Well, I mean, you certainly go back further and, and, and you, you think about the fact that, um, you know, there, there was kind of a golden age of, of new league creation in the United States with, you know, you think about the ABA, you think about all the shoot off the AFL. and the Oh my ju- God. Shoot, right. You know, football, football forever.
1: Right, that's a really good point. They were creating new sports all the time. People, like...
2: Were- it's only in the 80s, kind of, when things started to solidify.
1: Right. Uh, it's not like the entrenched sports... had the, the sports, major sports had entrenched leagues up until maybe 30 years ago. I mean, like, that's... That's that's even more pathetic. It's, it's pretty bad. I basically his argument is that he, he doesn't he says, show me a country whose soccer infrastructure, supporters, culture, professional leagues, media, global relevancy, domestic relevancy, youth development, women's game, men's game, marketing, sponsorship and television has grown more in the last 30 years in the United States. Here's what I I will add, Evan, is that the thing about what he's saying is that everywhere else already loves this sport. So- Catching up.
2: Yeah, that's the thing is we're, we're, catch- yeah, we have the most room to grow. So just growing into it doesn't, it, it doesn't necessarily say you're doing anything right. Right. It just means you're catching up.
1: Right. So, like, you know, I've, I've heard, I saw some people make arguments like, oh, like this is, you know, I'll name like Japan, Australia, South Korea. I don't know if that's all that, I don't know how I would put them on this, but like, <laughs> this is, it's ridiculous. It's simply ridiculous. Alexi, you just uh, need to chill. Um. Although don't chill because then we will not have what twenty minutes of content <laughs> to yeah, talk about Ruth's relationship to you. Um. So another person who is having an extremely extremely normal one is uh, Gary Lineker, who um out of I mean nowhere to us just kind of tweeted about how the Daily Mail were <laughs> doing a hatchet job on him. Um, saying, uh, as predicted, yet another hatchet job from the lovely agenda-driven Daily Mail. I've never uttered a word in support of Putin and never would. It's absurd to suggest otherwise. Also, I love my country, and representing England at two World World Cups filled me with pride. This is so cool because I saw it, Evan, and I had no idea what he was talking about. So, like, I bet in England this was probably more of a thing. But, like... To me as just some guy reading, I was like, whoa, what? This came out of nowhere.
2: Yeah, you yeah, that was my first thought too. Is like like when he said I've never said anything to support Putin, I'm like, well, what the whoa. fuck did you say that made you think people supported Putin?
1: Right. And so uh the Daily Mail quotes him. Uh and now what one of the interesting things to me about this is that it's not obvious, it's not obvious to me that the Daily Mail is totally fair, but uh because they infer um, this aspect of it, which is the uh, what he was actually referring to, which is that, um, and they, their reading is, British fans should stop questioning FIFA's decision to award the World Cup to Russia. And, okay, uh, and uh, again, also... Um, I think you can also make the case... So th- This is inferring, again, that he's talking about Russia, but I think you can ar- also make the case that he's talking about FIFA. Anyways, here's the quote. Who are we to start getting judgmental on who should have the World Cup? Uh, we all know how corrupt our country is at times. And I got to tell you, I think that is just as, as arguably equally talking about FIFA being corrupt as it is Russia being corrupt. Mm-hmm. Also... Uh, I mean, countries can be corrupt. Obviously, he's not. I don't think. I I just don't read this as justifying. Like, I don't know, being positive about Putin or whatever. I gotta tell you, I just this in no way. I mean, the the Daily Mail is trying to spin it. I wouldn't I'll give, say I'll give shit you the read. like this.
2: The the read is similar to something we see in politics sometimes, where. You know, someone won't come out and you, you don't come out and, and you'll firmly say something good about a bad country or a bad person. Right. But but what you get caught up in doing is is going out of your way to avoid criticizing them. Yeah, so, but he's,
1: he's Gary Lineker, right? Not like presidential candidate. right No,
2: like, I get that. But <laughs> but like. I'm not. I am not willing to. I have no idea what Gary Lineker is doing this World Cup. That's but I'm also. Point. I'm also not entirely convinced that he's not getting money from a Russian vodka yeah, company to possibly. do some brand shit. That's
1: a good point. Strong point there. Also, I mean, and I also again, I don't know the folk uh, context because I didn't hear the interview with, uh, uh, with the, the Times of London. I guess. Uh, but, you know, it. You just read this quote. I mean. I got to tell you how – this could equally be um, in reference to FIFA and not, not talking about Russia. Well, he also gets
2: himself in trouble because he shits on his own country implicitly. Yeah, that's true. He does.
1: he that, that he definitely does do and right before an international tournament. So, I mean, look, I don't like either of these things. I don't the, – the Daily Mail does kind of suck, but so does – I mean, I wouldn't make this – I wouldn't do this quote if I were him. I definitely wouldn't go on a rant about it uh, online. That is definitely not the right solution to anything.
2: Yeah, that's not the play, but I do want people to, I do want people shitting on Russia as much as possible for the entirety of the world cup. Like that's yeah. mostly what I could get out of this world cup.
1: I'm, I'm hopeful. And we're going to talk about this later and like our, what to look for in the world cup segment, but I'm hopeful that we'll, we'll see some really hilarious things happen and that no one will die. Those are the two things. It needs to be funny. It can be violent and whatever, but just so long as no one's really badly injured or killed. Yeah. Uh, that's fine.
2: Yeah, All we right. could talk more about that because I have thoughts.
1: So, we have one last Alexi back to Alexi related topic. Um, so the Guardian came out with an absolutely devastating, absolute demolition of Fox's uh, Fox's coverage of the World Cup, planned coverage of the World Cup. Um, and I just want to read um, this paragraph about the talent that they that Fox is saying sending to uh, uh, you know, not even sending to rush, I guess. So here's here here's this par- paragraph. It's really good, and it is it owns Alexi and and probably the best way I've seen. Uh, all right, here's quote. That's about the only good news that they hired Wharton Warren Barton and Derek Ray, who are two good uh, pundits. Um, that's about the only good news. Run your eye down the list of in studio and match day talent, and the pickings are slim indeed. In fact, talent is, of course, a cruel expectation with which to burden these poor souls. Lead anchor Rob Stone always looks like he's lost or about to get punched. Punched, and Lawless is well, Lawless, the ram jawed doofus American soccer just can't do without.
2: Oh, it's brutal. Oh. It is very brutal.
1: These two will likely be balanced out to some degree by gruff master manager Goose Hiddink and former Inter and Chelsea striker Hernan Crespo. Decent pundit selections for which we can offer grudging praise. I agree. In addition we'll be treated to the pedantic droning of Dr in quotes Joe Machnick and the manic Clowning of Fernando Fiore, the fun uncle from Fox's 2016 Copra America coverage, who's probably stayed at the party just a little too long. (laughs) But so, okay, and then The Guardian. So that's a quite an own of all these people. Um, But then they they mentioned like, you know, by the because by the end of this article, like I was fuming about the, the fact that. I mean, I didn't like Fox having the stuff generally, but FS1 and FS2 had done a passably good job with Champions League coverage, I thought, so I wasn't super worried. Now I'm infuriated because it just seems like they've gotten rid of all of the Champions League stuff and basically replaced it with even worse people, and um, their previews for the World Cup have apparently just been not reassuring to anyone who's worried about
2: this. So... That doesn't even get to like what has me fuming because I agreed with you that their Champions League stuff was okay. Um, their Bundesliga coverage, I like pretty well. Um, like, they're fine. I like the Copa America coverage pretty well. So, like, I, I wasn't actually that worried. And then I learned that they're actually not sending half their commentators to Russia. They're only sending they're gonna, four. They're going to call most of the games just using the camera feed, the raw camera feed. In L.A. That's 11 time zones. It's 11 hours. It's ridiculous. Well, they're just not there. You can't call a game. You're not there. I know. <laughs> and they're doing it at cost because they bid way too much for this. And now no one's going to watch when the, you know, with the U.S. not there, um, which I don't know if you've heard, but the U.S. isn't there.
1: I, I did. And, and
2: and so that that's just infuriating. Like, it's just so half-assed. You, you, did, you bought it. You owe to us, the viewers, a decent product, and you can't give us a decent product unless you actually fucking send – you're talking about just putting eight people on loc or ten people on location. Like what the fuck?
1: I can't, I can't really believe this is happening.
2: I can't believe that FIFA sells the rights without some, require- some base requirements for quality of coverage. Like, that's, that's what's surprising to me, that there's, that there's not, like, a requirement to have, you know, live commentators or something.
1: It does seem like, given all the other requirements FIFA uh, engages in, like, why not, you know?
2: Well, FIFA has a stake in this, right? They Yeah, they, obviously, they're selling for money, and you should be able to do it, you know, they should be able to do what they want creatively, but... You know, if if the coverage sucks, that's bad for the World Cup product as a whole, for the whole World Cup brand. Since right, and like going side.
1: forward, it's bad. It's bad right, for going forward
2: for the next World Cup that Fox might not have, but FIFA
1: will. Right. I mean, it's just it's it's just shocking. <laughs> it is funny, but it's just shocking.
2: It's like, funny. I mean, I, just, I care most about this thing that, that this last part because it's gonna have a material impact like the, the other stuff is like yeah, it's dumb but i get why you're putting david beckham there you're trying to get a couple more casual fans to come and watch and like yeah guardian really savages fox for not using current stars like lewandowski or someone like that but the if you're in an their american fan, material though I if,
1: think.
2: if you know who lewandowski is like you're already watching the world cup but if you you know if you're a casual fan, you don't know who he is. So putting him in promo doesn't do anything. The preview stuff that, that is completely inexplicable. They're previewing players who aren't even at the fucking world cup. Um, that's weird. I don't, I don't get that. I don't don't get it
1: either. I I mean, it's all terrible. This is going to be awful, but you know what? You know, what's not going to be awful is just the actual watching the actual soccer itself. The games will not be awful. Uh, even if the commentary is bad, even if the in studio talent is just god awful, and even if every single promotional material they, they talk about, they send out, talks about how this is a boxing match and not a soccer game, which is actually what they've been saying. Uh, it's, it's, it, the, the actual game is going to be good. So- yeah, the field is
2: set up great.
1: Uh, let's let's do our we're going to do our drop our World Cup preview. We're going to do it in groups, so we'll just do each group. By, um and what's uh just FYI, Alexi Lalas is in Russia right now. Unclear why exactly. I think it has something to do with the Mexico the United North American bid uh tomorrow that I think FIFA announces before this World Cup. Um we'll see what happens. Uh but yeah, so he's there and I guess he's just going to be in Russia. Um, <laughs> so let's do our World Cup preview. Let's um, obviously start in Group A, which is the first matches on Thursday. Um, the group is made up of Russia, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Uruguay. Um, obviously, there is one team that is the class of the group, and that's Uruguay. I think the question at this point is whether Russia will and Egypt will... Which one of those two will cla- uh, qualify? Second, though, there's always a chance. We don't really know that Saudi Arabia is not as bad
2: as everyone sing- thinks they are. Saudi Arabia looks really bad. I think, I mean, Russia's fucking terrible. Um, I actually think this group ends up being really boring. I think Uruguay cruises to first. I think that uh, neither Russia or Saudi Arabia has the defense from Osala. And he might, he might even miss a game, but I don't think it'll matter.
1: It won't matter because they're playing Uruguay first. So
2: right, playing Uruguay first, they don't need that match. They can just take take results against Saudi and Russia and, and qualify. The one
1: thing that I'm, uh, so we have a just just so everyone knows, we have a dinner bet on this, and I the only reason that uh, and Evan I think took the right position, which is that Egypt will qualify out of this group with uh, with Uruguay. The only reason I took Russia. Uh, Is that I think that uh, having yourself be the home country, if you're not, if you're sort of like kind of a toss up, um, because I think it is kind of a toss up which one of these teams qualifies. Russia actually is a slightly higher ranking in FIFA's ranks, but, you know, obviously they don't have anyone as good as Mosala, But if if it's sort of a toss up, then the home field uh, advantage that's brought by. Uh, the referees being in your favor, and they're gonna just give all of
2: the calls to Russia. Uh, that, that's true, especially because they're gonna be terrified of being of being murdered, like literally murdered by Russian fans or players. Russia, um, or all the like fans, Putin. famously wow. normal fans, just gonna not just gonna go home and yeah. be
1: not upset after the loss, and definitely not like have machetes and chop the referee in half, that kind of stuff.
2: So, like, I see your home field advantage. Point, and i raise you that, that there's a good chance in my opinion that russia ends up having to play at least one of their matches in front of an empty stadium because of like fans rushing the field and throwing flares and shit
1: yeah and 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 doing like racist chants and literally right. rushing the field to try to kill someone and i mean if 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 we get through this first game Russia, Saudi Arabia, and the Russian fans haven't literally murdered someone. I think we're we're doing well. It's a good preview, right? Um, so yeah, I think that the correct thing to to guess here, Uruguay comes out, and uh, my guess and your guess is Egypt. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Russia came out. It would shock me if Saudi Arabia came out of this group. Yep. All right, next group, Group B, another classic group. Um, where. Uh, we have just two, cl- the class of the group, Spain, Portugal, Iran, Morocco. Not much to talk about here. Basically, just who will come first in the group. And that will be determined by the first match in the group, likely, which is Spain, per- Portugal. And that match is now kind of more up in the air, I think, because, Evan, and this is the news, Real Madrid have announced that uh, Spain coach Julen lobategi will manage Real Madrid next season. Uh, that kind of coming in a pretty goddamn bad time for spain uh but relieves a lot of pressure on real madrid as my club and um removes any question of whether tottenham would have their manager poached by madrid so it's good just gonna
2: just gonna say how i I think this is a great pick this is the best pick they could have made there's literally no other manager in the world that could have fit this spot Uh, (laughs) this is literally literally top-notch best they could do well done madrid
1: yeah i mean the um the locking Pochettino down um, with that contract uh, was clutch. And then the, um, and then the fact that Liverpool went as far as they did with Klopp, I think also clutch yeah, um, Yeah. because he was another choice that I've I've heard. I'm just, I gotta tell you, man, uh, beyond everything, I'm just glad that Wenger it wasn't Wenger, man. I, I, the fact yeah. that that was even on the on an well, option that anyone was talking about almost made me cry.
2: Well, especially the direction they went, right? So the direction they ended up going, Wenger would have fit this mold, right? He would have fit the let's just try to give it another go with the same old guys type of mold. He's not a long term project guy.
1: No, or um, I mean, he not now, he was back in the day. No,
2: not um, now. Now he would be a caretaker two years, try to take another run with, you know, Bale, Ronaldo, and crew.
1: Yeah. Um, and that very well may be what Lopetegui likes. I mean, one yeah. of the things I really like about him as a manager is that he's shown quite a bit of tactical versatility with the Spain squad. I don't, I didn't ever watch his, uh, his Porto days that he was largely successful. Um, no, you know, no championships with Porto, um, but that was in a, uh, an era where there were a couple other teams in Portugal that were much better stocked with players. So I don't know what how much there is to take. Maybe there's more tactics, but he does seem to be a person who knows how to follow a legend because that's what he was doing. He knows how to take and manage a, club, a team with big egos, and he knows how to uh, fit the tactics to the squad and to the opponent, which is something that I think Madrid will be. All three of those things will be good for Madrid. So we'll see how he does. Um, I think it's a good choice. Um, But, yeah, not great for Spain, which is what we're actually talking about. So he's
2: sticking around for the tournament, isn't he?
1: Yeah, he will manage Spain throughout the tournament. The only reason that anyone's giving really for this to be a hugely destabilizing thing is that uh, it comes a few days before the tournament. But it's a national team, so, like— I, I don't really understand why everyone's freaking out so much that the national team knows that the manager's gone after the World Cup. Like, it's a national right. team. These guys don't see this national manager team. that much. So, yeah, I don't know. And,
2: like, there's, and it's the end of a World Cup cycle. Like, a lot of these managers yeah. are going to go away after the end of the World Cup cycle.
1: Right. And everyone sort of knows that. Everyone
2: I mean, knows that. That you know, most teams or a lot of teams change their managers after the World Cup cycle. Yeah, it's
1: it's it's kind of. I mean, Spain is a little different in that respect because their last manager was the guy that won them the World Cup. Like, but otherwise, like you kind of get rid of your your manager most of the time unless he wins or gets you farther than you've ever been, really. Uh, so I sort of expected Lepetegui to to hang on for this World Cup, and then I was totally unsure what his next step would be. So. Uh, but yeah, he's good tactically, very smart. Spain is crazy deep, has tons of talent. The only, I think, question left is whether they can break down what will probably be a pretty low block from Portugal, with, which is a team also with a ton of attacking talent. So how the defense uh, sets up, that's really the only question here. For me, though, Spain still the class of this group. So for me, it's Spain and Portugal coming out, obviously, in, the, in that order too.
2: Same. I agree. Spain is one of the, like, one of the deepest sides in the tournament. Um, I think that they have a very credible uh, semifinal or even finals case to make. And, you know, whether they can win the thing, you know, we'll see. But they have a very credible uh, case for a really deep run. Um, Portugal goes as far as Cristiano Ronaldo can drag them.
1: Yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo and Guedes are the two standouts and basically... (laughs) They're relying on Pepe <laughs> and his, you know, decrepit body. Yeah, is he alive? <laughs> uh, after playing a, a year uh, away from Real, Madrid, two years now away from Real, Madrid, or no, just one, whatever. In the Turkish league, so whatever. He's, yeah. he, he, we'll see. Obviously, this is like uh, people shouldn't just write this take of the bank. Don't bet on this. But he's a uh, Portugal. Obviously, won last last Euro Cup, and you know, Spain didn't so. I think that's a, another thing to just remind people. Like, this is a Portugal team coming off a major championship. So they are actually pretty good. Um, all right. Group C, moving on. Um, a very fun group because it has some of my favorite personalities uh, France, Peru, Denmark, and Australia. Um, really fun group. Uh, obviously, Evan, France is the class they should, barring a classic French. Disaster like what happened in 2010, they should qualify out of this group. Um, they are arguably the deepest squad in the tournament. Um, and yeah. uh, you know, they are they have strength at every single line. Um, I think the real weakness for Spain is they have a goddamn terrible coach.
2: You mean for France?
1: Sorry, France. God, not yeah, Spain. yeah, France.
2: Deschamps is awful.
1: Well, yeah, the fact bad. that he's still it like leading the team is crazy. Like, France. <laughs> It's pretty bad, guys. Like he, he, like they. There's literally no. I don't think any obvious issue with this French team. It's like you're starting a front line of like Griezmann and Bappe.
2: The players seem to have. I mean, the the players seem to have not the right kind of approach and mentality and attitude. Which is a coaching Um, issue, right? Which is a coaching issue. I I, I think that's right. And I so I've actually completely lost faith in this French French team. Yeah, Um, they were
1: my pick like they were a my, year ago. They
2: were my pick like two days ago. And I finally I think have decided that that I, I just they're gonna they'll they'll go far, I think. They're gonna advance out of the group. I think they even go to like the quarterfinals, but they're just, they're mentally just going to break down. Like they just don't seem to have that kind of steel and toughness. Right. They have an um, England
1: problem. Basically they have an
2: England problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably maybe even worse than England has this year. It's hard. You know, we'll see, but
1: we'll see. Um, it's a complicated I mean, like they have a crazy deep team. So if you want to look at it, like they really, there's literally not a spot on that lineup that I would, that I think could like be improved. Talent wise, their
2: B team could win the tournament.
1: Yeah, but- This is how good a team they have. Yeah, talent-wise, um, they're, they're um the team of players made just from people they didn't call to the tournament. It's probably qualifies for the World Cup.
2: <laughs> Anthony Martial, uh, Adrian Rabio, like just so many people who yeah. are great and and didn't get called up. Um, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll see. Let's see. Uh,
1: in terms of coming in second, though, this is this is a question mark. Um, I love. Peru. I've been extremely into them. They are the darlings for me of this cycle. A lot of people in the United States and in kind of Latin America fall in love with this Peruvian team. Uh, they're awesome. I would love to see them go through. But, you know, Denmark, uh, strong, uh, also has a very strong side. Well, strong, relatively. They have Christian Eriksen, which can yep. actually get you to out of a qualification phase by himself in a World Cup. We've seen Messi do it basically for Argentina. I mean, he could do it for Denmark, especially against teams like Australia, or Peru. Australia, famous for kind of getting stuck in a little bit, playing that physical game that uh, the kind of comes in, <laughs> in a lot of the English former English colonies, and they're going to do it and they're going to play it. Um, they, uh, although they, I mean, I love the Soccer Ruse. It's another great, you know, fan base, really fun to hang out with and uh, likable team. So this is filled with likable teams for me. But
2: yeah, I, I. <laughs> I
1: see it maybe being
2: Peru or Denmark, so I think it's probably Peru or denmark i so at this point i'll I'll point out that um so I decided i'm going to pick in the absence of the U.S., I, you know my main rooting interest is now england but i I decided i'm going to pick one team from each confederation to kind of like be my team right and Australia, because of how fun the soccer is and the fan base and everyone is they're they're actually my they're my team from nice. down uh down that way um, I'm really pulling for them here. At this, yeah. To uh, to sneak out a couple uh, of results, but I don't think they will. Um, I think it is down to Peru and Denmark. Um, I think that I would edge Denmark just a little bit, mostly from World Cup experience um, they, you know, and, 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 you know, having the star power Ericsson helps, but I think, you know, they're a more experienced side. Um, so I'd, I'd give them a slight edge, but it would not shock me to all to see Peru come out.
1: Um, I think I'll take Peru just because I think, I don't know. There's a, there's a buzz. There's a level of buzz to this team. I like it. <laughs> I'll just go with the narrative, baby. I have no reason for this. I'll go Peru, but either way, I wouldn't shock me if actually it wouldn't shock me if Australia came out of this group.
2: I they could. Yeah. They, I, I think they could. I don't the think only, it's
1: the only shock in this group would be if France didn't finish first. That'd right. be a shock. Um, the next group, similar, uh, Argentina, Croatia, Iceland, Nigeria, group D, um, it's similar, but not exactly the same. Obviously, Argentina is the class of this group. Um, but Argentina is a team that has been crazy roiled. Um For whatever reason, they just seem unable uh, to pull it together in the prime of arguably the best player ever's career. <laughs> I don't know what else to add. I think everyone sort of knows that Argentina, you know, Messi will carry them, but you can... I, Eleven players... It's not basketball. One player yeah. isn't gonna get you to the final. This is they're
2: not they're not as deep as France. So that's where like not quite the same as the last group. Because I don't think that Argentina just talent wise is so as far ahead. Maybe in uh,
1: attacking talent, they're even farther ahead, but everyone but not, else.
2: Not overall. Right. right. Not not across the entire uh, across the entire team. Um and so, you know, that I, they're gonna I, they're gonna win the group. I don't think there's really that much question. Um but but yeah, I mean they're Look, we've we've seen it before. We've seen it every time with uh, with Argentina for the last few years, and right. straight up to the finals uh, the last cycle. They they struggle to put it together. They have really weird coaching decisions. They have really weird personnel decisions. They just they they struggle to to make a complete puzzle out of all the pieces they have.
1: Yeah. And this time their coach is Sampaoli, who actually was, you know, coaching candidate for Barcelona. Like he's actually a, has been a pretty good coach, but for whatever reason, he just can't, also can't put it together. And uh he, I mean, he, they're so talented. He didn't even call it Cardi. I mean, this is crazy talented attacking team, but they don't have the greatest defense. And as Spain showed You know, a crazy good attacking team playing a strong defensive side might only score one goal. But if you don't have a defense, uh, a good side will score six on you. And that's exactly what happened when uh, Argentina played Spain. So,
2: yeah, Yeah, no defense is just playing with fire in a knockout tournament.
1: Yeah. Uh, In terms of the second spot, uh, everyone loved Iceland at the Euros. I imagine they'll love Iceland again, just in terms of uh, enjoying them. Oh, yeah, it'll be fun.
2: And I'm going to. They're Even though they're not one of my official Confederation representative teams, um, I'm definitely rooting for them. It's going to be fun. Yeah. They're just not going to do anything. No, they're not.
1: And the reason they're not is that Croatia actually is a, a class above Iceland. Um, Croatia with a, with a center of uh, uh, Modric, Kovacic, Rakitic is a crazily good midfield. Um, arguably one of the most talented in the entire World Cup. Those three players: Rakitic plays for Barcelona, um, Modric, Kovacic both play for um, Real Madrid, and then uh, Mandzukic up front. So, uh, who who uh, plays for Juve? So this is this is a um, a team with a fair amount of European pedigree. Um, they have some issues at other areas of the field, but generally this is a this is a class, a cut above Iceland and certainly a cut above uh, um, Nigeria who qualified last, but. Nigeria, uh always love, I always root for the African team. So I, I will be rooting for Nigeria, but I, I can't imagine um Nigeria making even even a, a you know I I honestly can't imagine even Iceland doing anything, but um I mean Iceland if they if they play their low block and physical football and get a little lucky, maybe they qualify, but it would it would be it would be pretty surprising, not a total shot, but pretty surprising and totally shocking if Nigeria qualified to be.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm the same place. So Nigeria, I really enjoy. They're actually my my chosen Africa representative. Um, going to be rooting for Nigeria very hard. Going to be rooting for Iceland. It's also probably not going to happen for them because um, Croatia really is very, very solid. Um, you know, that midfield, when it comes to breaking down Iceland, just going to be super, super helpful moving yeah, ball they'll around. They'll be able just, to just hold position,
1: the recycle. They also won't get too stressed because, again, Rakitic, Modric, Kovacic, Manjukic have all played at the absolute highest level. Um, and they won't get freaked out that they haven't scored yet, which is exactly what happened with England, <laughs> the right. Euro Cup. Yep. Um, so let's move on. Um, I think uh, we've got Brazil. All right, Group E, Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, Serbia. I don't. I can't make heads or tails of the... the you Know the three after Brazil. Obviously, Brazil is the class of this group. A lot of like one, you know, groups with one team is the class mainly because some of the traditional powers that you would expect to put it together and they're in the World Cup didn't qualify. Most notably, uh, Italy and the Netherlands. Also, uh, I actually think the United States, if they were in basically any of these groups, would be expected to be third or second at least. Yep,
2: yep. So, and Chile too for a lot of these. Chile
1: groups. also. Right. So those are those are four teams that if you sprinkle these in, suddenly you may have a group of death, suddenly you you know you certainly will have um a little bit more. Uh, right, because than- the US
2: would have probably gone in as a pot three team, and you know, if you replace, say, the Iceland with the US in group D, like that changes how that group looks a lot.
1: Right, exactly. Um But yeah, so it's Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, and Serbia. I feel like uh, I could see Swiss- I think my, my money right now is on Switzerland um, Serbia obviously have a couple of you know strong attacking players um in in uh Hamšík from Napoli who is very good um but I don't see and you know, obviously uh, uh Costa Rica has Kayla Navas who was the hero in the last World Cup and that performance was a hundred percent that in his his strong role at Levante was why he came to Real Madrid. Um, It wouldn't totally shock me if uh, Kaler plays hero ball for Costa Rica to get them through. But I I think Switzerland, very solid defense, a strong assortment of of, of talent, it kind of sprinkled randomly. Uh, I mean, Alaba, David Alaba is probably the best player on the squad, but yeah, they're, they're my choice to come out of the group, but it wouldn't shock me if Costa Rica came out.
2: So I'm, I actually think that this is one of the more tossed-up uh, toss up number twos um, in the group. I think Switzerland, Costa Rica, Serbia all have a pretty legitimate case. Costa Rica is a half-step behind, but they play good defensive soccer that I can just really see them frustrating people, do a smash, you know, one quick smash and grab, and then a couple draws, and you can get through. Um, and, yeah. and I can see Costa Rica pulling that off. Serbia... Um, But you already pointed out some of the some of the good attacking talent they have. They also have Mitrovic, who plays, um, who was who was pretty good for um, Newcastle, and, and then in the championship on loan. So, um, you know, I, I think that they're they're three solid teams, but they're three flawed teams. Costa Rica has no attack. Switzerland has kind of you know over reliance on a couple of players like Shaqiri, uh for attack, and if he just has an off day, they're they're going to produce nothing. Um So it's just hard for me to tell who's going to be able to put it together for a couple weeks to. Uh, to get the points and, you know, and is anyone going to steal any points off Brazil? Um, that actually wouldn't shock me either. Switzerland, again. Because Brazil's going to qualify and, the, and they're not going to care about winning every game.
1: The reason I say Switzerland is that they literally just held Spain to one goal. Um, and if you're going to hold a, you know, a team like Spain to one goal, I mean, look, Spain, uh, Spain's a good team. So, you know, they have a little bit of issue um occasionally there have been some questions about who's going to start up front but if you can hold an attacking team like spain to one goal and uh, uh uh then you're doing all right i think so i mean i don't know i i i liked i mean they're classically defensive side they were the only game that spain lost in the la in the the world cup they won was to switzerland and you know, Switzerland as my basically in every World Cup I've ever seen them in produced a strong defensive side that plays very deep,
2: but very solid. I think that I, I will make two predictions here that are mutually exclusive, but I wouldn't be surprised by either of them. One is Serbia pulls it off. They, they come out of the group. I like Serbia. I think they're a strong side. The second is that that totally doesn't happen. Switzerland wins on the strength of a really good tournament by Shakiri. Who is playing for a big move now that Scott got relegated? He's 26 years old. He's going to get a big money move somewhere, and that gets, right. that money gets bigger and bigger and bigger the better he plays this tournament. He has a lot to gain uh, with a good World Cup.
1: Yep. Um, so it wouldn't shock it wouldn't shock me if any. And again, it also wouldn't it wouldn't really shock me if uh, um, Kayler Navas single handedly lifts his team out of the group like he did yep. last World Cup. That's again not wouldn't I
2: mean uh, he single handedly in a way, I mean put the US out with some ridiculous saves in the US Costa Rica match. I remember
1: so. that. That he had one of the most amazing saves I've ever seen in that game. Um all right. Next group. Group F, Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea. If there is it's a, a group. if there is a group of death, it is this because it is uh Mexico, Sweden and South Korea are Um, Mexico's, I think, you know, again, a cut above the other two, but the other two are closer to Mexico's level than, um, the Croatia, Iceland, Nigeria, um, group. But yeah, I I do think Mexico's a cut above, but, you know, shout out to Rafa Marquez, who's playing, uh, for Mexico in this World Cup at age 39, he was
2: fifth World Cup or something, something
1: like that. Um, he also um, in funnier and also funny news was sanctioned by the Office of Foreign Asset Control in the United States. Uh, yeah. So OFAC sanctioned Rafa Marquez for I think it was uh, uh, uh Money that was moving around bank accounts that they had linked to him and also to narco trafficking so that's yeah cool. it was basically
2: he was basically accused of assisting in money laundering for cartels
1: exciting um and that 's also why if you watch him um in training, he wears uh no there are no ads on the gear that he 's wearing so um, and that 's mainly because coca cola who is the sponsor apparently of the training gear for Mexico, is scared. Scared of uh, uh uh scared of OFAC as they should be, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, this I I mean, I do see Germany and Mexico coming out. Mexico wants it. They've got a bunch of good young players, and uh, Sweden didn't call Latin. They didn't call Latin, so that's that's it.
2: Yeah, I mean Sweden. I read a I read a fair amount about Sweden uh, with with the fact that they didn't call Latin and that, that made me viscerally upset, and that's why I went and looked at it. So apparently, what happened is they. He retired from the national team sometime, ago, I guess, after the Euro. Um, and they kind of readjusted to a much more organized, much more defensive uh, style of play that didn't involve just get the ball to Zlatan. And apparently this has gone pretty well for them uh, overall. And, and well, you know, th- th- I, this is just the general I, assessment that this has been a good reorganization of the I team. Refuse, and I refuse and
1: to accept that, but fine.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, I I maybe it works. I mean, Mexico, Mexico is a team kind of like France that just always kind of and England that always kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah. Um, they never really see me up for the big tournament. And so like an organized, focused Sweden, Swedish team upsetting a Mexico team that loses early and then the pressure's on, that wouldn't shock me too much.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um Group G. Um Belgium, England. Tunisia, Panama, Panama, obviously the, I'm pretty sure Evan, am I right? That Panama was the last that was the beneficiary of the United States collapse.
2: So Panama was the beneficiary of both the U S collapse plus a phantom goal. Um, I remember. Um, and um, so Panama in this world cup, um, obviously the class is in England and Belgium,
1: both teams quite good. Belgium, under a little bit more pressure. No. England is always under tremendous pressure. Belgium also, though, is because this might be one of the later, last World Cups for their later or last World Cups for their golden generation of uh, Courtois, uh, Lukaku, Yannick Carrasco, like this whole I mean, core I was going players. back over
2: that, going back over that Belgium roster today and it is just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, it's, I it, mean, for, for such a small country too, it reminds me of like these great Dutch teams back in the day, but like, Man, oh, man, That's that was great. just a good team.
2: I mean, you get to Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. Vertongheny and Alderweireld playing in defense. Uh, Eden Hazard playing on the wing. Like, this is just – this team is just stupid, stupid loaded. Um, it's not necessarily that deep, but just all over the pitch are just superstar players.
1: Right. So, you expect them to have – I mean, it'll be really interesting to see how – England plays in that first matchup against Belgium because it'll tell us, I think a lot about England going forward. Uh, I think luckily for, I mean, luckily or unluckily for England. Um, so they, Tunisia and Panama suck. <laughs> right. Tunisia and Panama suck, which means they're probably coming out. Tunisia, um, we beat up by Spain also like, or, or sorry, not Spain. It doesn't matter, but yeah. So
2: yes, correct. Um, I don't see either Tunisia or Panama doing no, anything. I, I think this is England and Belgium. And it's really who, you know what order they're going to come out in. Um, it probably matters a lot for England and Belgium what order they come out in, eh. just because they're only they're, in they're, that they'll
1: be avoiding a matchup with Colombia in the next round. That's I really no. I,
2: I think it's more a mentality thing. I think that both of these teams mm-hmm. are once they're going to if they if they have a narrative that they're backing into the into the knockout rounds. Like that, that's very bad for them.
1: Yeah. So if if they draw against each other, and then one goes through, the best thing for both of them would be for that to happen, and then them to beat the other two, and then have one of them go through on a way or on on goal scored or whatever it is, <laughs> right? Uh, and that's okay. That means they're both yeah. doing well or you know poorly. But yeah, that um that will be very fascinating to see. Last group, um, or actually, how do you how do you see them coming out? Um, I my my guess is actually that England comes out ahead of Belgium just because I actually like this the I think the core and and strength of this English team. I'm I'm more I'm more into this English team than I've been for for it's, any English team I think in my lifetime. I think they this, could do like do real real stuff in this World Cup.
2: No, so I totally agree. Totally agree. So I think this is the the this is a completely different English side than the 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 very I mean the last one was really not good. Um but the ones before that everyone convinced themselves was good but it just wasn't. Um like the quote unquote, golden generation that they supposedly had was was way, way, way overrated. You but, all admit
1: it was all midfielders folks. Yeah, million, that's what happens
2: that was it. That was it. But this has attacking talent up and you know, it has attacking talent. It has midfielders. It, it really looks solid. They're playing a pretty they have a lot of pace on the wings with Raheem Sterling. Um, so they're playing a pretty fun uh brand of football probably five at the back with uh with the wingbacks pushing forward i think it's going to be exciting i don't think it's going to be the normal kind of english uh english side that just collapses um under the pressure and i think harry kane is better than any english attacking player that that's been brought to you know to a world cup in basically a generation that's definitely right
1: i definitely agree with that i i mean Folks, the only um, person in English history, I think, or m- recent English history that's even cl- close to rivaling Kane is Michael Owen. And, yeah, you know, he uh, he was very good for a couple of years, but it was really just um, a few years. So I would also say that Ray- Wayne Rooney, if you're talking about Wayne Rooney, you're on the wrong kind of. You're
2: having the wrong discussion. So he's you know, Rudy not was, good. Folks. Rudy was never that good. Is the uh, thing he was never that um, good. Uh, and he was very uh, bad internationally. So anyway, I, I, all this is a long way of saying I think England can can be dangerous. We'll have and- to see
1: how they deal with their first kind of moment of because you can always turn around one loss in the group stage. Yeah, um, yeah. so
2: you'll have to figure we'd, out even if, if you just have a stupid draw against Panama or something. Or
1: something. Yeah, you can always turn that around. So. You know, they just need to they need to we'll see how they deal with that first setback.
2: Um I think group- I think but just to answer your question directly, I think Belgium's a little more likely to qualify first out of the group. Yeah. Um but I think either Belgium or England have the talent in a knockout tournament, the attacking talent to uh to make some waves. And, and the defend like does overall squad like overall strength? squad too. Yeah. Um, but then because of their attacking talent, they have a punch even yeah. against better squads.
1: Um, lastly, Group H, uh, Poland, Colombia, Senegal, Japan. Um, I know a fair amount about Poland. They're, you know, they're strong-ish side. Robert Lewandowski obviously is a great player. So I like Poland. Um, uh, Colombia, obviously, a very good side, like very strong side, made a lot of noise in South America. Hamas Rodriguez, the breakout star in 2014 now, is an established star. And, very much part of this um, this generation of Colombian players who have been making noise over the last few cycles. Um, I like Colombia; they're always fun as hell to watch. They're going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Poland, less less fun, but also you know just a, a solid
2: cross the board. They're surprisingly solid side. Yeah. Um, like every t- I always think Poland, Poland, um, but then you look at the side and you realize that they're re- top oh. to bottom. They are just really good. Um, um, and then Senegal, obviously, uh, Sadio Mane basically carrying this
1: team, um, but he is a good enough player to carry a team. So Senegal, obviously, I'll be rooting for them. They're African. I I enjoy Mane as well. Um, and then Japan, I don't know anything about Japan. I don't need I, following. I have no idea.
2: I was doing some reading. So they fired their coach like last week.
1: That's just uh,
2: a bad start. <laughs> like a month ago, so they just like very recently fired their coach. They've had some bad results. I pair, they, All of this is just to say don't expect much from Japan. Yeah. Um, Senegal, I actually don't think that Sadio Mane is all that great, um, so I wouldn't expect Senegal to do too much. I really enjoy Colombia. Colombia is my South American team. I'll be rooting for them very hard. Um, Davison Sanchez, a lot, of very exciting Spurs player at the back. Um, and and obviously, James is, is a lot of fun to watch.
1: So now we've gone through the groups, just a few questions like that, that I think we should just quickly address. Um, Which side is under most pressure to top their group given the, um, the first round draw. So that was sort of my question. Um, I was, I was interested when this was published about, you know, given these groups, which of these teams like absolutely has to qualify first. And actually, so basically all of the teams, because of the way the groups were drawn, all the really good teams, like the the ones that we're all expecting to make deep runs, if they don't qualify first, they're in for a very tough first round opponent. Mm -hmm. And that's not how you want to start. So if you're, you know, Argentina, if you're uh, France, I mean, if you're Brazil, like you got to qualify first from your group. Otherwise you're playing, if you're France, if you don't qualify first, unless Argentina also sucks, you're playing Argentina in the first round. That's... Not the matchup you're looking for in that first knockout round um uh uh Brazil also I mean, and then, but what I wrote here was I think arguably um Germany is under the most pressure because they are probably favored, I think most people have them as their favorites to win uh but they're in a tough group, so they actually do need to they probably will be under a fair amount of pressure to you know get through this group. At first, because they could very easily, uh, if they don't, they'll run into Brazil in the first round. We'll have Germany, Brazil, and a repeat of that huge disaster for Brazil. You'll see these Brazilian players who will want to get revenge on Germany for that. They will.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm just not sure which way that cuts. If the pressure isn't more on Brazil in that situation to, you know, avenge the 7-1 humiliation, then and, and then they just, you know, fall apart under the pressure. Yeah. Um you know, so I don't. I don't know which way that cuts, but I think that you know, if if the if the argument is, or if like the the simplest framework is, you know, avoid the best teams as long as you can. Then yeah, it's Germany because being you know Brazil is probably you know if not the best one of the best teams in the tournament. So Germany avoiding them is good.
1: Yeah, uh, I think. I mean, we already touched on it, but England also England Belgium. Both of these teams are are teams that are really stressed out. <laughs> like they have stressed out teams with uh, with players who get stressed out. So like them, you know, kind of choking and and backing through, they might be in a real issue. But the good news is that they're really only avoiding a. But as you mentioned, they but as I said, they really only be avoiding a uh, match against Colombia to play Poland. And both of those teams could pull an upset on Belgium or England, but. I mean, They'd be,
2: England or Belgium would both be favored in those matches, so yeah. I don't think it's you know exactly. it's, it's not, not as, it's not as crucial as, as as you know France and Argentina avoiding each other.
1: All right, so let's do some things to watch for. Um, so I think the first question um, we'll know pretty quickly uh, if this is going to happen, but will the Russians fans be racist? Will they be violent? Yes. yes. Or both (laughs) or both. Yes, probably. Yes. But we'll know for a fact whether they're going to like kind of make the tournament a huge make make those uh, aspects about their soccer culture, a huge issue with this tournament uh, or not. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And that's probably in that first match, because that is a lot of those combinations that those Russian fans love to mess with. uh, Right. Which is like they've got a Middle Eastern opponent in playing in Russia. Um I mean it'll be amazing. I can't I, I I hate it, but also like it's gonna set the tone for the World Cup probably a little bit this first match. <laughs> yeah. Uh the second one is this England squad mentally prepared to deal with adversity? That was I, I already asked that. Um we'll see. We'll yeah. We'll see. That's... We kind
2: of, kind of hit it already, but yeah. you know, it's like, you know, what's, th- this is a much younger team and most of these, a lot of these players, if not most of these players weren't at the last, you know, world right. cup. And so I think there's probably a little bit of distance for them. Yeah. You know, the last world cup slot yeah. had a lot of players to, through all those failures and they probably felt the pressure more acutely. Yeah. Um,
1: How will Real Madrid poaching Spain's manager impact Spain? It'll be interesting to see if it
2: does at all. I think not. I think not much at all.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, And then uh, classic. I want to just throw all the way back to one of our first uh, podcasts about these leaked images of the Russian stadium with those. What looked like uh, totally thrown up haphazardly stands. that is still there that's not changed like they've done <laughs> they finished doing work around that stadium so the question is Will everything work properly? Will people in that stadium actually be able to see the pitch? Will those stands collapse? Will players' rooms be bugged or monitor- and ma- monitored? And will they have their power uh, and heat turned off randomly? And that last one is not a theoretical thing. That's exactly what happened to the people in Sochi when they uh, hosted the yeah. uh, Winter Olympics. So- yeah, and
2: it's totally going to happen again. Yeah, yeah I, I, can't,
1: of- I can't wait. The journalists are going to like actually have their shit just totally monitored and Bugs and everything in their in their machines and all that yeah. stuff. Can't yes. wait for it. Yes. Uh, so just some serious predictions as we as we as we leave. Um, which team will be caught with prostitutes? Nah, just kidding. That's already happened. Hey. And Mexico. If you had Mexico, you uh, you were right. Mexico was Brush caught with um, thirty prostitutes already. So there's no French prostitution scandal um, so far, but Mexico's already already got that one locked down. Um, will uh Fox's absolutely top notch commentary team win an Emmy for their work?
0: No, no,
1: probably not. No. probably not, guys, probably not. Um, unless they do some accidental documentary work on the ground, uh, after some sort of attack. Uh, all right, all right. actual, uh, actual, uh, 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 actual one. So, first of all, which team is gonna crash out early? Um, I think if I had to hazard a guess um and this is maybe a cop out but I think the most likely team that would really shock people that would crash out early is Mexico.
2: Yep. I was um, just looking at Mexico on the on the sheet. Yeah. Uh
1: though again if England is really really bad like if really England really really just kind of eats it it could be England because I just don't see it. I don't see it. I guys don't see it with Tunisia and Panama as the other one. So, yeah, I think Mexico is the one that would uh, most likely that would shock people. Um, I just don't see like some of the other doubled up groups. Right. Like, you know, I can't imagine Portugal or Spain crashing out because Iran and Morocco are both really bad.
2: I mean, my next answer is France.
1: Yeah. (laughs) In the first round.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's completely impossible. No, like, that's not, it's completely that impossible. is not the easiest group. Australia being the worst team in that group. Australia is not a bad team. And, like, I mean, they're not great, but I, they could sneak a draw, and then that becomes against France. And if, if that happens, that all becomes really fucking interesting. Um, all right, Evan. Do you have a new winner? Who wins? So what <laughs> – and it's funny because now I'm saying France might crash out, and, like, just a week ago, France was my pick to win the whole thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, g- man, I, I was thinking about this all day and I just kept going back and forth. Um, I can't decide between Spain and Germany, yeah. And I'm gonna go ahead and say Spain.
1: I am gonna say Germany. No, I'm not, I'm not gonna say Germany. Sorry, I'm taking the also- doesn't count. Okay, uh, I'm gonna stick with France. I'm going with you France. Them, yeah, um, and I'm not checking Germany because they already won the World Cup last time, and that rarely happens. That you see the repeats. Repeat, yeah, yeah, it's um, tough. They have a really good squad, though. But I just think I that also- maybe if they hit Spain in the semis or whatever, something like that, they could they might run up against a team who's just more more invested in the game than they are. I
2: got I got to tell you, I'm I'm really tempted to take Brazil. Like when I yep. look at that squad, it looks. Just fucking stupid from attack back through midfield, but the defense I'm really not convinced.
1: Yeah, that is Brazil's big issue. So maybe they can outshoot and outscore teams, but that's a bad formula for actually winning the thing. Like all they need to do is run into one team who right. is more complete than they are,
2: and and that yeah, and, that, and that's why I'm more more willing to go with Spain, who you know they're they're struggling up front, you know, with a proven goal scorer to lead the line right now, but they have people who can put together a tournament. Um, Is I like their players up front are bad, but you know when you when you look all the way back through defense, it just looks more complete.
1: Yeah, and it's. I mean, and one thing they could also do is just not even start a nine, and we've seen right. them experiment with it. They had one of right. the Can best do, like, international a- performances we've ever seen with Isco as false nine
2: against As a against false Italy. nine. He's a per- yeah, what, a great, what um, a great option as a false nine.
1: Yeah, so Isco played false nine against Italy, and they beat up on a defensively solid Italian team, 3-0. So yeah. – that was, I mean, that I think if, if they go back to that lineup, I'd be, I'd look out if I if I were opposing teams. I think that's a really crazy cool lineup for Spain, yep. especially because it kind of goes around these issues that they, right. they seem to have. Um, right. All right, buddy. Well, it's this is your, that was your um, World Cup preview. Game start on Thursday. So uh, I hope you all enjoy, enjoy the cup. And um, let's just, let's just, ha- let's just get through this thing without anyone dying is sort of yeah. my feel. Like, yeah. there's probably gonna be crazy Russian shit, but like just just let's get through this one turn. Don't, no Don't, Don't kill, kill anybody. Don't kill anyone. Um, and 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 with that, that's your World Cup preview. Alright, Evan, I'll talk to you uh
0: talk to you next week.
2: Catch you later. Enjoy the game.